0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Evan Havens and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. So the title of the message tonight is, What's My Purpose? Finding out what we were created to do. Now, unfortunately, I can't tell you why you were created as a soft-spoken person. I can't tell you why you were created as a 5'4 person or a 6'10 person. I can't tell you why you're really, really good at golf and you can't do math. I can't tell you those things. You see, God gave each one of us a specific purpose and he created each one of us individually and unique. And so part of our purpose is completely individualized. And even further than that, my purpose, my specific purpose changes all the time. See, right now in this moment, my purpose is to speak the word of God to you. But my purpose a few minutes ago was to help my daughter get lunch. So there's, I'm not going to tell you today your specific purpose. I'm not going to tell you what the what why God created you the way that you are. But as Christians and as people and as humans, we all have a purpose. We were all put on this earth for the same basic function. And we're going to look at three areas. Three. Reasons why God created us. Three purposes that each and every one of us have. Our very first purpose is that we were created for God. And this is actually what started me thinking about this. Started me thinking about why were we created. Because I was reading through the Bible and I saw this verse that we're about to read. And it specifically says that we were created for God. And so let's look at it. If you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. We all know that we were created by God. We know that God made us, that he formed us, that he made us the way that we are for a reason. But some of us haven't thought about the fact that God created us for himself. So 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6. It says, "Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist It's just like we sang a few minutes ago everything comes from God and we exist for God you see everything that you need the financial provisions that you have the job that you have the family that you have the fact that you have clothes on your back right now even the things that we take for granted all the time this verse says they came from God but not only that it says that we exist our very existence is for God And it goes even further, and it says that we exist through Jesus, and we exist for God through Jesus. Jesus is like the bridge that connects us to God, and that helps us to fulfill our purpose. God created us as a people for himself. We were actually created to walk with God on a daily basis, and talk with God on a daily basis. The reason we know that is because, if you look at Adam and Eve, the very first people created before they sinned, before they messed up and were separated from God, they walked with God every single day. Just like I would walk with you, just like I would talk with you face to face, they spent that kind of time with God. But because they sinned, because they made mistakes, it separated them from God. But you and I are living in an incredible time in history, because as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, The Lord set into motion a plan to win his people back and to be able to walk with them and talk with them again. And that's why he sent Jesus. You see, Jesus came to this earth and lived a perfect life and took our place and died on the cross to pay our punishment so that we could walk with God and talk with God again. And right now, we have that opportunity to walk with God and talk with God and we exist for God. So Jesus has restored our relationship with God. Turning your Bibles to Isaiah 43. We're going to go back into the Old Testament. You'll find Isaiah after Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. It's a pretty big book. Isaiah 43. We're going to read a few verses in here. Again, we're looking at our purpose. And our first purpose is that we were created for God. So we're going to start in Isaiah 43 verse 6. And about halfway down. It says, Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. And we see it again, the reason why we, cr- we were created. We were created for God and further, we were created to give God glory. We see that word all the time. We sing it in praise and worship songs and you hear it in sermons and you read it in books You say, God, we need to give God glory. Well, what does that mean? The word glory means high renown or honor, won by notable achievements. It also means magnificence or great beauty. Can I tell you that we serve a magnificent God? We serve a beautiful God. Not only is he beautiful, but everything he's created is beautiful. The way that things work is beautiful. You and I are beautiful in his sight. And he is magnificent, he's holy, he's worthy. But then again it said, high renown or honor, won by notable achievements. God has given you everything that you have. He gave us the very breath in our lungs. He gives us family. He gives us people to live our lives with. He sent Jesus for us. See, everything that we have and the whole reason that we exist is because of him. As people, our job is to glorify God. So to glorify actually has a little bit different meaning than the word glory. To glorify means to light up brilliantly. I think that's so cool. That as we glorify God, we're literally shining a light on him. We're pointing to God with our lives. And we're telling the rest of the world, look how great my God is. Look how magnificent he is. Look how beautiful he is. You see, in order to light him up brilliantly, in other words, in order to expose his profound greatness to the world around us, we must first know his greatness ourselves. If you don't know how great God is yourself, how can you light his greatness up? How can you show it to the rest of the world? And so you and I must know about God's greatness through his word, through spending time in his presence, through being here just like you guys are, learning about the word of God. We must know about his greatness so that we can shine a light brilliantly or light it up brilliantly. Go a few verses over, same chapter, Isaiah 43. Now we're going to go to verse 20, and again, we're going to start about halfway down on verse 20. It says, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people. Already we can say amen. We're living in a dry place, but he gives rivers in the desert, gives a drink to his chosen people. Verse 21 says, the people whom I formed for myself, here's another reason why he made us, that they might declare my praise. See, David was probably the best example of this in the Bible. King David spent most of his life glorifying God with his words and with his songs that he wrote. See, he wrote most of the book of Psalms, and most of the book of Psalms is about giving God glory and honor and praise. You can't read two pages in Psalms without hearing, I glorify you, God. I worship you, God. You're worthy. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your protection he's constantly speaking words that are giving praise to God. God desires to be praised. The cool thing is he doesn't just desire to be praised, he is ultimately worthy of all praise, even from creation around us. In Luke 19:40 it says that if we, if people remain silent, even the rocks will cry out. In Psalm 19:1 it says the heavens or the stars declare the glory of God, the sky above proclaims his handiwork. In Isaiah 55, 12, it says, The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. You see, creation is praising God. The trees are clapping their hands in reverence and in awe of him. The hills are singing to him. The skies proclaim the work of his hand. Creation, the things that he made, give God glory constantly, all the time. But the thing is, creation doesn't have a choice whether it glorifies God or not. See, when the whales sing their song, they're giving glory to God, but they don't have a choice. The skies, the beauty of the skies gives glory to God, but it doesn't have a choice. He created all of that to infinitely bring Him glory. But us, as God's chosen people, in 1 Peter 2, 9 it says, but you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. You see, we're different from the rest of creation in a lot of ways, but one of those ways is that we have a free will and we have a choice. See, God created us to give him glory too, but you and I have a choice as to whether we're going to fulfill that purpose or not. We have the choice whether we're going to give God glory or glorify other things in our life. We have the choice whether we're going to use our lips to speak praises to the King of Kings or if we're going to use them for other things. And because we have a free will, we can love God more deeply. He created us with a free will because he wanted a people to choose to love him. See, what good is love if you're forced into it? What good is people praising your name if, if you've made them to do that? That's why he gave us a choice and a free will. But you and I must walk in our purpose, the reason why we were made. And that's to praise God. Being created for gods, that means we're privileged above all creation. We're God's most prized possession, and he desires to be praised from his people. Turn to Titus 2, verse 14. Titus is towards the very, very end of the Bible. It's only a few books in front of Revelation. Titus chapter 2. And this very verse, Titus chapter 2, was the start of this message for me as I began to study and pray and seek God On what our purpose was. This is the one that I read that got me thinking. I wonder really what the Bible says we were created to do. And so in Titus 2.14. Says Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. And to purify for himself. A people for his own possession. Who are zealous for good works. A people for his possession. We are his. His. His chosen people, His royal priesthood, His prized possession, His special possession. And if you struggle in your life with self-worth, if you don't have a self-worth, or if you don't think you're important or prized or cherished or loved, you're wrong. Because you were created by a God, and you are His special creation. He gave you a free will so that you would in turn praise Him and love Him, and it would be a meaningful relationship with your Creator. That verse also says, though, that we're created for his possession, but also that we're zealous for good works. And so that ties us into the second reason why we were created. The first reason why we were created, our first purpose, is for God. We're here for him. We're here to glorify him and praise him. But our second purpose is that we're here for good works. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. If you're still in Titus, just go to your left a little bit. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. For we are his workmanship, meaning he crafted us, he carefully made us, he made you the way that you are for a specific purpose, you have unique qualities and unique giftings that only you possess and nobody else ever has and nobody else ever will because you're his workmanship. Let's keep reading. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God's prepared these good works for us, but it doesn't say that we should do them. It says that we should walk in them. And you know what I think that means? That it's a daily thing. That every day I walk in good works, not just on Sundays, not just when you come and usher or serve in the church. But every day, I'm walking, I'm walking in good works. Every moment of every day, whether I'm at church, whether I'm with my family, whether I'm with my friends, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I'm walking in good works. See, it's a choice that we make. You choose to walk, you choose which direction that you go, you choose how fast you walk. Same thing with good works. They're a choice and we can choose to walk in them or to not. So it's a lifestyle. None of us are perfect. I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. But when we walk in good works, we're actively trying to obey God, to obey his voice, to obey what he's trying to speak to us and live in a way that he has purpose for us to live. So the term good works, it could really mean a lot of things. I mean, at work, when you do a good job, your boss might say, hey, good work, buddy. Or when you bake a cake for your sister's birthday, she might say, that's good work. But I think there's a more specific meaning when the Bible says good works. And so I cross-referenced that word, good works, so that two words. And it took me back to Titus 2.14, which we read just a second ago. And it said that God created us for his possession to be zealous for good works. Well, when you cross-reference that phrase, good works, in Titus 2.14, it takes you all over Scripture. And there were 11 references through the Old and the New Testament And so I compiled this list. This is what it means when when the Bible says good works. To be subject to authority. And some of us said, ooh, already. To be obedient. To be ready to do whatever is good. To slander no one. To gossip about no one, rather. To be peaceable. To be considerate. To live a productive life, which means providing for your own daily needs. To show true humility towards all people, to do what's pleasing to the Lord, to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord and in the eyes of men, and to cause people to glorify God. You see, we were created to glorify God, and when we walk in good works, it causes others to glorify God. So we help others fulfill their purpose by walking in these good works. So when we obey our parents... When we do what our boss asks us to do, when we obey police officers and governing officials, we're walking in good works. When we seek out peace, which sometimes means we'll have to have a difficult conversation with somebody. See, there's a difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. A peacekeeper sweeps things under the rug and says, if we don't talk about it, it'll go away. But a peacemaker seeks out peace. And when you seek out peace, you're walking in good works. When we do not gossip, backstab, or slander people, we're walking in good works. When we're considerate and we do what's right in the eyes of other people, we're walking in good works. When we work hard and earn an honest living, we're walking in good works. When we humble ourselves and treat other people in high esteem, we're walking in good works. And when we do what pleases the Lord, what makes Him happy, and cause other people to do the same, we're walking in good works. And remember, this is, these are a biblical definition of what good works means. And the Bible says that we were created for good works. Turn to Matthew 5.16. As you're turning to Matthew 5.16, James 4.17 says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it's sin. And so when we know the right things, the good things that we're supposed to do, when we know what the good works are that we're supposed to walk in, and we don't walk in those, then we're actually sinning against God. So now that you've seen a biblical definition of good works, I challenge you. Make these a part of your life. Like I said earlier, no one's perfect. But when we walk in good works, we're constantly striving to do what God's created us to do. Then we're walking in the way that he called us to live. Matthew 5, 16. And it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See, when people see the good works that we do, they give glory to God. So once again, we're helping them fulfill their purpose, which is to glorify God whenever we walk in good works. I have a story to tell you. A few couple of weeks ago, some of you know my, my in-laws, Mark and Penny Groom. They had a garage sale that was a garage sale and an estate sale for, for Penny's mom. And so they had tons of stuff at this garage sale. They filled two garages, which I've never seen happen, but they filled two whole garages with stuff. They had clothes, they had dishes, they had old tools that I don't even think they had a purpose anymore. And they had bedroom sets like dressers and beds and all this sort of stuff. And so at this garage sale people would come and buy stuff and leave and we had a pretty good day but they put the bedroom sets on Facebook to give them more exposure and they said, you know, I think they put $600 for the set or something on there and they said you must pick it up, we don't have a trailer we can't deliver the bedroom set well this lady emails or or messages Mark through Facebook and she says I want to buy the bedroom set but I want to buy it for $500 and I need you to deliver it and he was like okay, well, we're, we can't deliver, and so he messaged that back and said, we cannot deliver, we don't have a trailer, and all she, she wrote back was, OMG. He was thinking, it's pretty rude. And so he messages her back, and while he was doing that, the Lord spoke to him and said, go ahead and help this lady out. And so he messaged her back, and he said, we'll do 500, and I'll ask my neighbor if he can help me, and we'll try to deliver the bed to you. And so she came, and she paid him the money for the bedroom set, but then she also wanted to look at the other things. And so she looks at all the dishes that we had laid out. And these are like vintage dishes that are in perfect condition. And we priced them really well. And so she gathers up this huge pile of dishes that she wants to buy. And she says, you know, something like, "We take $20 for all that? And my mother-in-law was like, that's like you picked up $200 worth of dishes. No, we won't take $20 for that. But this lady was really rude. And she was short with us. And she was not nice at all. She was not courteous. And it was kind of starting to irk all of us. Like, you're coming to our garage sale, and we're trying to be helpful, but you're being very rude. Well, anyways, this lady, finally, she makes a deal, and she gets the dishes she wants, and she picks up a ton of clothes, and then she has us deliver all of it to her house. Well, she tells us where she lives, and it's literally the complete opposite side of town, like a 30-minute drive in Lubbock. It's incredible, I know. So we drive, and she says, it's going to be these apartments. As soon as she told us on the phone that it's going to be apartments, we start praying, God, please. I don't know if it helps right now. It's probably too late to pray this, but please don't let it be a second story. Because the dresser was heavy. And we get there. Her name was Doris. And Doris gets out of the car and starts walking up the stairs. And we knew this is a second story. So we take the big queen mattress and the bedroom set and and the dresser, and we take it all up the stairs and we're sweating, and it's 185 degrees outside. I think that was the high that day. I don't remember. And all the time, she had been rude to us, but when we got to her house, she kind of melted a little bit. And she said, thank you for helping. And it was like, oh, that's kind of nice. She actually said thank you instead of being really rude and short with us. Well, as we finished delivering those, those be- the bedroom set to her and the clothes and the dishes, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, ask Doris if she needs prayer for anything. And I'm like, oh, okay. She had told us that she was from Nigeria. And I don't, I don't know, like, if there's a different religion that most people have in Nigeria, but I had this picture in my head, and I'm like, I don't even know if she believes in you, God. Like, I don't, this may not be a good thing to ask this lady. She wasn't very nice. And he said, do it. And so I was obedient, reluctantly, and I walked up to her, and I said, Doris, God's done a lot of good things for me in my life. He's taken care of me and blessed me, and I wanted to know if there's anything that you would like for me to pray with you about that you need God to help you with. Well, she said, oh, well, thank you. Um, I, I really need financial blessing. Would you pray for that? So I said, sure. So we bowed our heads and we prayed, God, would you bless Doris financially? Would you take care of her? Would you provide for her like only you can? And said, amen. Well, she walks up to her apartment, and I start walking back to the truck, and the Lord said, give her money, and tell her that I'm going to bless her right now. And I'm like, uh, okay. Because she like just bottled this stuff at the garage sale from us. And I don't, we, okay, yes sir, yes sir. And so I go to the truck and I get my money and I run up the stairs. And I said, Doris, the Lord asked me to give this to you. And he told me to tell you that he's going to start blessing you financially right now. Well, Doris breaks down crying. And she just starts saying, Thank you, God. I can try my best on the accent. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And she's literally crying her eyes out, saying, Thank you, God, over and over again. She gives me this big old hug and she goes, You have no idea what this means to me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You see, because I was obedient, because I walked in good works, because I held her higher than myself and I humbled myself, she glorified God because of the good works that we had done for her. And that's just an example of how God works. See, when he speaks to you to do something, be obedient and do it. Because the blessing, when I saw her crying and giving glory to God in that moment, was far above what it would have been if I would have said, you know what, God, she was rude, I'm done with this, we're out. But when you're obedient and when you walk in good works, it causes others to glorify God. So we were created for God, first of all, to give him glory, to give him praise. Second of all, we were created for good works, and the last thing that we were created for, and this is maybe the most important, is that we were created as reflections of the very image of God. Turning your Bibles to Genesis 1 27, the very first chapter of the whole Bible. In Genesis 1, verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. See, that verse doesn't specify race. That verse doesn't specify ethnicity, social standing, financial status. That verse doesn't even specify between male and female because it says they were both created in the image of God. We were created as a picture of God. We're supposed to be a picture of what God is like to the world around us. And this even goes further in the next chapter. Turn one page over to Genesis 2, verse 7. And I've always known this, but every time I read it, it's so cool to me what God does. Genesis 2, verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. See, that can sound kind of cliche, I guess, if you've been a Christian your whole life and you've heard that since Sunday school when you were three. But you have to know the way that God created everything else for that to be special. You see when God created light, when he created the sun and the moon and the stars, when he created the birds and the fish and the plants and the dry land, and when he created the sky and the clouds and the sea and the animals and the beasts that walk along the ground, everything else he created. He created by speaking a word and he said let it be and it became something. Everything else he created He spoke it into existence, but man, you and I were the only thing that God came down to earth and with his hands scooped up dirt and formed our bodies intricately, every detail. And when he was finished forming us and creating us with his hands, he breathed his breath into our lungs. Nothing else in creation is like that. We are his prized possession. And so when we glorify God, when we breathe in, we're breathing in his breath. When we breathe out, even when we're speaking, you ever thought about that? You're breathing out the breath that God put in you. It's his breath. When you speak to people, when you talk to people, you're breathing the breath of God. And when you inhale, the breath of God. See, he didn't just create us in his image. He formed us with his hands and put his breath of life in us. And to me, that's exciting. To me, it makes me feel prized. It makes me feel special. I am his chosen people. I am a royal priesthood. I am his prized possession because he formed me with his hands and he breathed his life into me. See, as a chosen people, we're supposed to be a reflection of the image of God, meaning when people look at you, they should be able to see Jesus. This doesn't happen all at once, though. I don't know about you guys, but there's some things about me that's not like Jesus still. And that if people saw and they looked in the the mirror of my life, they would see something besides him. But it's a process. Just like Adam and Eve, we're all imperfect people. And we make mistakes on a daily basis. But look at this next verse, and I'm going to start to close with this. This is the last verse we're going to go to. It's Romans 8, verse 29. When I found this, it gave me a little bit of hope. It can get a little discouraging knowing that I'm supposed to be a reflection of the very image of God and I'm not that yet. Let's read Romans eight twenty nine. It says, For those whom he foreknew or who he knew before, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. See, God created us in his image, but because of our sinful nature, he also takes time to conform us to the image of Jesus. See, if you'll let him, if you'll spend time in his presence, if you'll spend time in his word, if you'll spend time praying and worshiping him and glorifying him and giving him praise, then he starts to shape you once again, just like he did when he created you. And he starts to form your life to look less like you, less like the sinful nature that we all have, and look more like Jesus. So now when people look at you, They start to see Jesus. They start to glorify God because of the good works that you walk in. So let God conform you to the image of his son. David Wilkerson, who he's the author of the book, The Cross and the Switchblade. And he's also the founder of a program called Teen Challenge, which has helped so many teens and adults over the years overcome addictions. He said, if I'm not Christ-like at heart meaning if i'm not becoming noticeably more like him then i've totally missed god's purpose for my life and i hate to get to heaven one day and for god to say i love you and i created you in my image but you missed it you, you missed the purpose you missed the reason why i put you there i'm glad that you had a really successful job and i'm glad that you had the the great family but you missed your purpose. And in the natural, when something is broken, that means that it no longer accomplishes its purpose. When a lawnmower is broken, it no longer cuts the grass. And when a car is broken, it no longer accomplishes its purpose of getting us from one place to another. And I think that's the same with you and me. A lot of you guys feel broken tonight, in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit. You feel broken and maybe you feel broken and don't know why But i have a thought for you tonight maybe the reason why you're broken maybe the reason why you feel this way is because you haven't been accomplishing your purpose but the good thing about father god is that because he created you he knows every detail of your life. He knows how many hairs are on your heads. He knows your, the thoughts that you think before they're even in your mind. He knows the words before they're on your tongue. He knows how to fix you. And he knows how to make it to where you can accomplish your purpose once again. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit FaithChurchLubick.com.